I'm Tobin Heath, two-time World Cup winner. And I'm Kristen Press, two-time World Cup winner. And this is The Recap Show. This is the first time we'll be watching the World Cup in over a decade. We know we're not alone with how we feel about the way people talk about women's sports. We want to be part of the solution. Having been there many times before ourselves, Tobin and I are going to bring to you what it's like to play in a World Cup, what's really happening behind the scenes, all the good juicy bits. The Recap Show will bring you gal culture at its finest. We all know what bro culture is, but what is gal culture? We're here to define it. We have incredible guests joining us. You're going to get the strongest perspective, the strongest minds the game has to offer. This is our narrative, our culture, and we get to tell it our way. Nobody can speak about the World Cup better than us. You'll hear it all on The Recap Show. Premiering July 20th, you're going to find The Recap Show everywhere. YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, threads, and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Recap. Welcome to the show. LFG. Welcome to the recap show, episode three. We are so excited by all of your support. Big thanks to our community and to those who have already subscribed. And if you haven't, do so now. As always, let's start with the sports. Every team has played at least one match in the group stage. We've seen tight games, blowouts, and upsets. You gotta love it. This is the World Cup. We're in full swing, and so is the recap show. Today, Chris and I are joined by our teammate and friend, Lauren Chaney Holiday, and one of the best players in the world, Viv Miedema. But first, Tobin soft things. The two to one thing. On our previous episode, I predicted that the US would beat the Netherlands two to one. And I would have been right if it wasn't for Lique Martin's head. The Tobin thing. So um, some of you were introduced recently to Tobin. I'm a Gemini. Tobin is my alter ego. I love Tobin and Tobin. But if Tobin shows up, run for your life. The bold prediction thing. So at this point, we've seen every single team play. And just based on each team's first performance, if I had to make a bold prediction who would win the World Cup, I would say Germany. The messy thing. I love Messi. I'm happy he's here. But competing with American soccer coverage during the World Cup, when this is our biggest moment, stay on vacation for a few more weeks. The Brazil thing. Everyone knows I love Brazilian football. And we're seeing it at its best. We're seeing the flair. We're seeing the special players. I love Caroline. I love Marta. I love watching this fluid attack. And I also love their warm-up tops. Where can I get one? The American thing. For us U.S. Women's National Team fans, we can all say our prayers to the soccer gods tonight for Lindsey Horan's head and Julie Ertz's last-ditch tackle. Thank you. We are here in studio just minutes after finishing the game. We are going to give you our fresh and honest thoughts on tonight's match, USA versus the Netherlands. Tobin, do you want to give us your first thoughts? Um... Yeah, first off, I feel like my heart's still beating, I think, for all of us fans. Towards the end of the game, we always believe that the U.S. is going to get that goal right, and we had a couple of awesome opportunities to get that. Um, Sophia Smith's volley that Lika Martins magically cleared um, was crazy. But, you know, if I was to close my eyes right now, which I'm doing, and um, if you were to tell me that we tied the Netherlands 1-1, I think I would have said, okay, not terrible, but I didn't close my eyes and watch that game. <laughs> they were wide open. 
And what I will say is there's a result and then there's performance. Result-wise, okay, great. We're on to the next game, right? We'll see where we finish. But performance, I mean, that first half was disastrous. I agree. And I don't think there's any one individual that you point to and say, that individual didn't play well. I think I looked out on the field and I saw a lot of people that didn't know what they were doing. Imagine you're coming off the pitch right now. Yeah. Back in the locker room, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? Um, I think I'm feeling relieved. I think we talk about like feelings coming out of the game. Like, thank goodness for that second half in terms of belief. Uh, I mean, we saw what we love cheering for about the U.S., right? We saw the bravado. I mean, Lindsay Horan's goal was just incredible. I love that. I love that face off before the goal. <laughs> I love that tension and I love that she came through Aww. and you know, we talked Big about love, Linz. Um <laughs> Lindsay and I had talked a lot about set pieces before this game and and I'm so proud of her because she Huge told moment. me that she was going to do that she and she did. did it. Oh my gosh, that's manifestation. And she did it and I'm so proud <laughs> of her. Like that to me is a US Women's National Team cap- captain when the team needed something, she brought it. Um, I think it's, you know, everybody will say like, oh, domination, we had 11 uh, corner kicks. But but for me, I, I keep coming back to this is like, can we be more effective on our set pieces, on our corner kicks? I mean, I think the service is not consistent enough. We have, you know, three pe- different people taking corner kicks throughout the match. For me, that adds a, a layer of inconsistency on set pieces, which is hard. It's hard to get those timing, those runs. I think there's a lot of people that don't necessarily have that that role normally. Um, I'm getting like a little bit worked up because there's <laughs> a lot there. As you always there, do but, when you talk football. But then, honestly, and I, I thought we didn't, I think that Trinity should have come out in the 60th, um, and I think Lynn Williams should have come in personally. Flacco raved about Lynn Williams being the best 15-minute player he could put on this roster, and in a moment where we needed a 15-minute player to come in, and, you know, I thought Trinity, you know, she did her job that game. There was nothing wrong with her performance, but in a moment where you need something, the U.S. got momentum from that goal, and I think you insert, you inject a Lynn Williams into the game, all of a sudden we're getting these, I think the the couple instances that you saw Trinity actually break through, I think if you have a fresh Lynn Williams breaking through, there's a there's a different result at the end of that, that yeah. play. Yeah, and we've seen Lynn do it before in big moments, and that helps a lot. You said uh, you wouldn't blame the individual performance, but rather the team performance, the structure, especially when you're looking at that first half, what, what changes did you need to see? What went wrong? What's going on with the structure that you don't like? I think the whole press, the whole pressing triggers. We were pl- being played through our lines behind us. We l- were looking for somebody else to do something. Everybody was kind of looking around like, who steps? You step? Do I step? How do we get the ball? And it looked like we were just being toyed with, especially in the midfield. But I think like it, that starts with our front line. Um, I saw f- players flying out and making you know, rash def- defensive decisions that put us in a lot of jeopardy. Um, yeah, like we knew that that the Netherlands, like they weren't going to be a massive threat. I thought we were more of a threat to ourselves with our decision-making defensively than than they could have been to us. When the the play broke up in the mid- midfield, um, mm-hmm. a, a mm-hmm. Dutch player got out, um, ran by uh, Andy Sullivan, and then there was a massive gap between our, our midfield line and our defensive line, which then created indecision on how early our back line had to step. 
Um, but overall, I saw indecision everywhere. And then on the attacking third, I'll say this again and again and again. You can't win a game without providing width. I don't care where you're going to find it from, but in the attack, you need width to score goals. And I, I haven't am, seen that anywhere. I am glad you got that off your chest. Because, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I have heard that for about a year. Um, okay, so I don't fancy myself a game analyst, but I have a couple of thoughts. Ooh, yay. Um, I think... I think mostly about the way that the players feel, right? So I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, if I'm walking off that pitch, I am. I know what I'm walking into. It's a massive game. The most eyes that you know half those players have ever had on them, and they're about to get torn apart by everybody because that first half performance is not good. So I am not feeling good. However, it's a new team. And the reason that the U.S. Women's National Team has won consistently is because of the intangible. And the intangible feeling was there. Um, I was even just reading what people were saying in the second half. And it was the feeling that every single person in this country believed that we were going to come back and score. Yeah. And they played like that. And yeah. I've been on the pitch with this team, and I haven't felt that. And that's what scares me the most. Yep. Um, setting up poorly tactically, making technical errors, um, players learning their roles, we can live with that as yep. long as we quickly improve. Yep. But the most important thing that they needed to do, they did, and that mostly came on an individual effort or a couple players' effort on a big goal. Um, but even after that, I felt like we had the momentum. I wanted us to score so much because then it would be even more solidified who we are. Um, but I think that was very encouraging. I love what you just said. And and to me, it's it's another performance where in that first half I saw 11 individuals out on the field trying to play a game of soccer. And then in the second half, I saw 11 individuals that came together as the U.S. Women's National Team to try to win a game. Look, we didn't get that second goal. Like, I think it was there. I think there were a couple different adjustments that could have been made um, to the team to get us that second goal. I don't think there's any reason why that game had to end 1-1. Hey, Viv. Um... So thanks so much for jumping on. I know that watching the World Cup right now is like really annoying, these time zones, and then catching up with people also from halfway across the world is also tough. Um, but thanks so much. I think it's a unique opportunity for us to speak with you after um, a really interesting game. Uh, would love to, I mean, you're a footballing brain. Um, first off, for anyone that doesn't know, Viv Minima. That's one of the best players in the world. Um, an absolute joy to watch. Obviously, we're not able to watch you this World Cup, which for me as a football fan is heartbreaking. Um, but I think a lot of U.S. and Sash team fans last night were happy about that. Um, but I would love to hear um, from your perspective, a Dutch perspective, about the match last night um, and just your overall thoughts and feelings. I mean, thank you for having me. Um, obviously, as you say, it was pretty tough for me to watch the last night. It was 3 a.m. in the morning here. So I watched the first half, fell back asleep, and then I watched the second half this morning. But um, yeah, pretty much a game of two halves, wasn't it? Um, I think yeah. for us leading into the game, like, obviously, I mean, we've all got so much respect for you guys. Um, replay of the World Cup final in 2019. So I think everyone was really excited to go out, yeah, to get out there and and show what we've got. And um, I think the first half, yeah, the girls done amazing. And then obviously the second half, you guys adjusted a bit. And um, yeah, it was really just holding back for us. And 
I think the last 50 minutes, we done everything we could to just get that result over the line, and they done that really well. Yeah, I thought it was uh for for the Dutch for for you all, you were really efficient. Um, even when you look at the amount of chances that were created, there wasn't a ton of chances, right? But you score in the first half. I thought you had an amazing opportunity in the second half to score. And to me, that's that's international football, right? You get a couple chances, you score a couple goals. Um, so I thought from from that perspective, pretty efficient. Um, and I think you all from that team, it's a pretty similar team other than yourself um, that lined up, right? That's a pretty um, cohesive team that we saw. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think obviously like, well, with my injury, like you missed one big player, but uh, with Andres coming in, we've obviously changed our playing style a bit. I think mm -hmm. everyone expects us Dutchies to play in a 4-3-3 um, which we're obviously not doing at the moment but I think it fits in the best players that we have at the moment so we've got two young girls on on the wing back positions but as you say everyone else has basically been out yeah around for like the last five six years um, so we've got experience and I think we were deadly in the first half yesterday Jill's goal was really good good strike um, probably could have scored in the second half but um yeah, I think overall for us, that was a big, big result. Yeah, I I agree. And, and a big performance. Uh, you mentioned switching up formations a little bit. I, I noticed that as well. And it's very uh, contrary to, to Dutch football to change that system. Um, but I th th thought it worked really, really well, um, especially for certain um, personnel that you have. Um Talk me through what what you felt from the U.S. team. You know, for for us, we're always so super critical of the U.S. team. Um, but from what you you traditionally have expected in these matchups to what you saw, um, walk me through what you thought of of that team. I mean, I think as I said, like there's been rightly so, like there's so much respect for you guys. Um, you've got a young and exciting team out there. I think Rotman and and Sophia Smith are obviously both really exciting talents, still really young. Um, I think throughout the game, you probably lacked a bit of width, um, which, yeah, create, like you didn't put our free back at, yep. yeah, under any pressure. So I think like if they would have made it a bit wider and you could have run at them, as you know yourself as, as a winger, like you would have loved to get the ball and then go in a 1v1. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you guys didn't create create those opportunities and obviously the second half was a lot better from from the USA side uh, I think Rose Lavelle made a big difference um, but yeah I think it's hard to see some of your players not being able to actually get into their strengths like I think if you look at Alex Morgan like she's probably one of the best strikers in the world over the last couple well like more than a decade now um, mm -hmm. but she obviously doesn't get the balls into the box that she probably needs so mm -hmm. you kind of probably need to adjust a bit to the players that you have and I felt like in our game that didn't happen yeah that's that's funny that you said that I think um, you heard my analysis but you didn't um I thought the Did exact I? same thing yeah I mean it's it's like yeah. pretty much word for word so I mean it's it's That's funny. funny. Funny to hear. I thought a lot of people were surprised. Obviously, they they were thinking like, oh, well, going up against the three back in the Dutch with you know the the speed, uh, the kind of tenacity of our our front line. Like, wow, that was like really risky for the Dutch. But if you don't provide width in that, you're not going to exploit them. Um, and I think it was uh, um, it was an interesting situation. Um, okay, so. 
I've had you long enough. You're on vacation. Um, we're so excited for you to come back to, to football. Um, me especially, especially as an Arsenal fan. Um, but I would love to hear, do you have any bold predictions for, for the rest of the World Cup? I mean, looking at the first couple of games, I think for me, Brazil are still a dark horse. Like, I think they can get really far in the tournament. Uh, Spain seems to be clicking, which mm-hmm. always is a bit of hit or miss. But I actually think if you look at the team so far, it might be between them two and possibly Germany with that as well. And and what about the Dutch? How do you feel about them moving moving through the tournament? I think I actually think we're very well organized and. I- I think, obviously, as you said, the players we have switching back to that free back has given us a lot more security behind the ball. And I mean, the same as in 2019. We, I think if we're really, really good that day, we can beat anyone. But we do need to be top in the next coming games and we'll just see whatever happens then. I don't want to put too much pressure on them. I like that. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining us. I know it's uh, crazy for you and best of luck on your return. Um, we'll just see whatever happens yeah we'll see what happens it'll be interesting thanks again enjoy your holiday hope it wasn't too difficult let you sleep in (laughs) no all all good I'll just get back on the bears now so much needed (laughs) alright see ya alright I did say that the show was going to get better and better Um, not to say our first guests weren't amazing But this guest is near and dear to all of our hearts. Um, we are welcoming Lauren Cheney Holiday, everyone. Welcome to the recap show. Okay, and and like every episode, um, Kristen's going to do the awesome thing of making um, Chain uncomfortable by, you know, saying all the amazing things about you. And she's going to read this, so it might sound a little funny. Um, you've done a lot of amazing things, and here are a few of them. Lauren Cheney Holiday is one of the greatest players to play for the U.S. Women's National Team. She is a 2015 World Cup champion. She is a two-time Olympic gold medalist, winning the Games in 2008 in Beijing and 2012 in London. She was selected as the 2011 World Cup Best 11. She won the 2013 Golden Boot and MVP in the NWSL and was named U.S. Soccer Female Athlete of the Year in 2014 and would become the first player ever to have their jersey retired in the NWSL. She was recently inducted into the National Soccer Hall of Fame and if that wasn't enough, this year Lauren received the 2023 Muhammad Ali Humanitarian Award. We are extremely lucky to have her. She is a dear friend to both of us. Welcome, Janie. Thank you. Welcome to our show. so we go back a long way. Um, I always joke that, well, we got lucky because, you know, you take a uh, Alyssa Thompson, she's like 18 year old, you know, she's coming in like all by herself to totally. the match team, right? Yeah. Um, and we got lucky because we got coined as the new kids. It was me, you, and A-Rod. And we essentially as as teenagers came onto the Osmond Sash team, but we came onto it together. Yep. And we created a bond that went very deep, uh, so deep that we we um, did a lot of weird things to, I think, <laughs> pass our time. <laughs> but the truth is I got to go in there with people that became not only my friends, but my family. Yeah. And you know that you're my family. Yeah. Um, and then you gave me another piece of my family. But we could, that's a whole nother story. This, what was yeah. it like? What was the culture like? What did it feel like as a new kid? 
Okay, so I think Ava got called in first yeah. to the to the team. And then I was still a senior in high school and I got called into a, a camp in Portland and we were playing Ukraine. <laughs> I think I'm accurate on that. You guys can fact check if you need. No one's going back and, that far. <laughs> You're good. It's been a while. That's good. Um, and so I had the same mentality. Go into the national team. You're like yeah. seen, not heard, and that's all you do. So I would yeah. go to practice and I would nap and then I would go back to practice and I would sleep. Like I didn't talk to anybody. I tried to like keep my like, yes, anything you need from me, yeah. like kind of posture. And I think it was like the fifth day in I fainted at practice. <laughs> So you forgot to breathe as well as speak. And drink water because it was so hot outside. And so we're in a scrimmage and Lori Klepney is right next to me. And I said, I'm going to faint. Is your first word spoken? Yes. And she said, uh-oh. And then I fainted. And they pulled me off the field. What an impression. And I woke up. And Kate Markoff says, hey, don't worry about it. I fainted my first practice and they didn't call me back for four years. <gasps> um, I thought you were going in a different direction with that. Nope. And so I didn't make the roster for the Ukraine. <laughs> shocking. I know. It was super shocking. Um, and then at that time, if you didn't make the roster for the game, they sent you home. Or yeah. you had the choice to, like, stay for the game. But pretty yeah. much they sent you home. Um, and I went home, and I did get called back in. But that was my first <laughs> national team experience. So when I came in, it was like you respected everybody before you. Mm. And, like, if you were not – on the team starting you were not a regular like yeah you didn't really have an impact okay well that makes me um think about when I first came in because I came in far after you were all there you were already the new kids you were no longer the new kids you were just like the stalwarts of the team um and you treated me very different than the way that you're describing mm -hmm. um so do you want to talk a little bit about that either of you <laughs> I would love to. Okay. <laughs> so, wild. Uh, also, can we just talk? Pia was wild, wild. At, at the time. And I remember they were naming, it was, they were naming the team and the alternates. And yeah. everyone was like, oh. This is for our 2012 Olympics. Olympics, yeah. Yep. And they're like, oh, yeah. And this girl, Kristen Press, is coming in. <laughs> she plays in Sweden. And everyone's like, huh? <laughs> like, they're naming the roster. Yeah. Like, this camp. Yeah. And um, I remember Kristen came in and it was like almost uncomfortable like our, when people were around <laughs> her because it was like, it was almost like who does she think she is but it wasn't your fault. And I was like, gosh, yeah. that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like that really sucks to her, like really bad. And then they named her, you, named her as an alternate. We go over, which was also freaking weird, that the alternates were there, you were separate, but you were together. Yeah. It was just like a really weird Kristen. dynamic. And I was like... I I really like Kristen, and I'm going to invite her to hang out with me. And I told, of course, my two friends. And I was, like, totally into it, right? Tobin and Aaron, and they were like, no. Like, little kids. Like, no. <laughs> no new friends. It's the three of us. Why are you inviting her? And I'm like, she's our age. Like, she's us. Like, this is, this is our people. And they were like, no. You can do it. So, um, we had a lot of downtime in camp. And like you said, we, we were really happy to be there. Um, so happy that we wanted to provide entertainment <laughs> for, for our teammates. Um, Who's we? <laughs> you and A-Rod. I mean, you know, the fun mm -hmm. ones. Um, and we did something. Do you remember what it was? 
Women in blazers. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Women in blazers. Um, which is really funny, actually, because when you think about this show now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so- they let you be the creative for the show. <laughs> Did you guys watch Women in Blazers? All of you. That was her. Okay. Just so you know. Okay. I mean, it's award winning. All, all I want to say is this was the start of, of something real. Mm-hmm. How many episodes did we have? Do you, do you remember this? I I remember. Did we get canceled after episode one? Because I think our team loved it. Anyway, we would love to play a little bit of it um, for our audience. Mm. <laughs> and for us. We're and for watch. us. Okay. This is like never seen footage, right? Never. never. Outside of the team? Yeah. Um, now it's everyone's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Amy Rodriguez alongside my co-host Tobin Heath, and we are the Women in Blazers. On tonight's episode, we will give you an inside look on the U.S. Women's National Team final preparations, the effects of extreme boredom, and share with you a traumatic, or dramatic, bus incident. The 2015 Women's World Cup is finally here. All of Group D has arrived here in Winnipeg, but not one of them feels like the World Cup is actually here, due to the lack of, well, everything, really. It really is, A-Rod, but let's not get carried away here. With all that free time, the players may become extremely bored, and all that boredom can lead to some pretty unhealthy habits. They certainly can. According to recent studies, extreme boredom can lead to TMTV. Too much TV. TMTTSR. Too many trips to the snack room. And TMOS. Too much online shopping. Ladies, please keep an eye on those bank accounts right now as online shopping is at an all-time high here in Winnipeg. It certainly is. But let's be real. There's really nothing to do here. And we're back as we send you over to Lauren Holiday live from the bus. Thanks, Aaron and Tobin. In devastating news, the U.S. women's national team had to suffer an approximately one-hour bus ride to and from practice the other day in frigid 50-degree temperatures. Sources say the low temperatures were due to a technical glitch with the bus's air conditioning system. However, other reports state that there might have been an issue finding the off switch. According to U.S. medical officials, no illnesses have been reported. When speaking with players, it seems as if no legal action will be taken regarding the harsh working conditions. I'm Lauren Holiday, reporting live from the bus, reminding you to shut your vent. There was absolutely not a teleprompter. You guys had boards. Oh my gosh. And you were switching the you boards. You know your part is definitely the one we're going to put in the episode, right? Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, if that doesn't show a whole different level of dedication to the team, like people want to say, like you know, the U.S. Women's National Team wins because of X, Y, Z, but nobody has seen the women in blazers. Absolutely that not. was inspiring. That was absolutely <laughs> inspiring. But also, like, cheers to us for trying to like boost morale. Do something. True. Yeah. 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 But you guys definitely wrote all of that. I know. Okay. Okay. It's true. Um, But no, uh, Kristen does talk about the culture carries of the US Women's Dash team. And honestly, you are one of them. Um, And we always say that 
um, it felt like, I mean, it was in your bio, I think, that you are the youngest Hall of Famer ever, which is just crazy. That is crazy. I felt like, um, I remember when I got my 100 caps and I was looking around and I was like, where are my friends? Like, you and A-Rod were just like, gone. You like had already done it. And I'm like, hey, I'm just getting started here. <laughs> um, and that's insane. Talk me through, do you feel like, t- talk me through your career on the national team. Hmm. I feel like my career on the national team like started slow. Like I feel like even 2008, for example. Yeah. Um, I feel like I was like constantly in camps. I was pretty consistent. I was like young, up and coming, and then like cut from 2008. You and A Rod made it. Um, they were like the greatest friends because we got cut in China, or like we made the roster oh. in China, and like so she tells us who didn't make it, and like they made their first ever Olympics, and they're in my room, like crying with me. And I'm like, wait, like, we should celebrate you. Like, you yeah. guys made it. But, but like, they were with me, like, mm-hmm. in bed, like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. You guys just made the <laughs> freaking Olympic go. team, yeah. you know? But I feel like um, that was, like, the start of my, like, national team career was, like, okay, I, like, I, ne- I felt like I needed to prove myself. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I, I should be here. I am good enough to be here. Um, and then... After that, I feel like I made a decision, like, when Abby got injured and I made the team, I remember, like, telling myself, like, I'm going to be the best teammate, like, I can possibly be. Like, if I'm going to be there, I'm clearly the absolute last person on the (laughs) roster. Like, they didn't even want me there. Now I'm here. Like, how do you change your mindset, you know? Like, in my mind, it was like, I could be bitter that I made it, like, because someone was injured or... I could like actually enjoy it and so like when I went it was like okay I'm just gonna be like this amazing teammate and I think then that became my identity Mm. and so when I made that decision like I remember crying when I when Cheryl called me after Abby called me from the ambulance and I and Cheryl calls me and says hey pack your bags you're coming and I remember being angry Mm. and it was like I had to change my mind like I can be angry and this could be miserable or I could like, this is my dream and I get to play in the Olympics. And, um, I think that after that, that was my identity that I carried. That's so interesting because it was like a reaction to a specific situation, but then it became who you were Mm. because I would like, you know, I was not on the team, but when I got on long after that, that's exactly who you were, like the ultimate teammate, welcoming, um, and I felt like you had a very clear sense of what it took off the field for a team to be successful. Mm. Um, and obviously you were on multiple different teams. Some won, they mostly won, some <laughs> lost. Is there anything that you would say that was like consistent that like helped teams win? Yeah, people have to feel like they matter. Wow. And I feel like when we were on the national team, when I was young, when we were coming into camps, when that older generation was there, it was all about respect. You mm-hmm. have to respect your elders you have to respect who they are you have to respect like these people and I was like I don't want that the way that they respect me is me by me loving them and so it's like I shifted how I thought culture should be with respect respect wasn't like fear like it's love and so when I when I decided okay in 2008 I'm pissed I'm the last player but also I'm excited because I'm going to my first Olympics like who do I get to be in that time like I got to choose who I wanted to be 
And like when I saw that, like 2008 was a special, special team. It was like an incredible, like my impact on that team, like on the field was less than any other team that I was on. But it was like one of my most memorable moments because it was like, I literally poured my heart into it. And then from then on, it was like, that's just who I was. That's like how I was on the national team. Yeah, and I felt like there was a hierarchy, right? And it felt like you knew where you were in that hierarchy and then you knew what job like you had to perform for the team. And at any point, like whether, you know, a player goes down or a mistake happens, like there could be a shift in that hierarchy, but it's prepared, the system's prepared for it. And I always say like the the US Women's National Team is a great, greater than like all of its parts, right? Like the system's greater than its parts. And I think that's the culture is greater than the individual as well. And I think on each of those teams that has been passed. So when you looked at your kind of steps in the Nash team, it was like you grew into this leader and you took on whatever the team needed. And that was both on and off the field. And I remember watching you grow into this leader, this culture carrier, and you were a player that made other players better on the field. And that's because you're massively talented and you can fill kind of whatever the team needs, but you saw people and what they needed as people to mm-hmm. off the field. Can you talk to me about like that leadership? I would just try to find value in every player on the field. Mm-hmm. And so like Alex, for example, I think, you know, the first time Alex came into camp, we were like, oh, she's never gonna leave. Like this girl was so confident, it was insane. Every person that comes into camp is like nervous or shy mm-hmm. or doesn't, you know, mistouch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Alex thought she could take on the whole team like the first time she ever came in. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, okay, well, Alex just needs to know and hear that she's capable of being the best yeah. in the world. Yeah. And so like anytime I interacted with Alex before a game or whatever, yeah. it was like getting to know how can I make Alex perform the best that she can perform? Yeah. Alex needs to know that she's the best in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And so like I would tell Alex every game <clears throat> that she like she's the best, the best in the world. Though. Yeah. Also Abby. Abby needs to hear that Abby's the best in the world. Yep. But Abby also needs affirmation that she's a good person. And so it's like, and Abby is a good person. So that was easy for me to be like, hey, Ab, like, the value I see in you is like, you're a tremendous human who cares Mm -hmm. a lot about a lot of people and a lot of things. And so I think that was my like gift was that I could like see what people needed. But I had that too. Like, how many notes have you written me? Like, on the national team. We used to write each other notes all the time, which is, like... <laughs> Cute. <laughs> ridiculous. But, like, Kelly O'Hara. I she still would try to do a, that, yeah. Yeah, she would, like, slip a note under my door. And yeah, it was, notes. like, yeah. we had this... The first cap notes. Like, I I always, like, I still do it. Like, now it's not a note. It's, like, a DM. But I, I brought that from the culture that was passed to me. Like, right. I remember even in the first... I think it was 2008, the first time I was ever going to... Um, play in a, a world championship game. I remember Heather Mitz put a note under my door. Yep. You know, and it's those little things, and like that's kind of culture yeah. carrying, and and that's like that adds up and that matters, right? It does matter, and like for people to feel seen, yeah. like like press. I knew what you were good at, and I knew like what you would bring to the table, like on the field, right? I could see that value. But I was like, she's never going to get on the field if she doesn't feel like anybody, anybody like, respects her off yeah. the field. Yeah. Or has, not even respect, 
has enough respect to value you off the field mm-hmm. because your goal wasn't wasn't that like you're not trying to be flashy you weren't trying to be seen you just wanted trust mm. and so for me I'm like I need to build trust with you oh my gosh this is your superpower you know what everybody needs I say it all the time it's like amazing. I care the most that my team trusts me to score yeah like that's the words I use and I also very much care that my coach trusts me if I don't feel that I'm worthless but how did you know that oh my gosh do you have like a catalog of every (laughs) single player and like what they needed to hear to get the best out of them and you're just like pulling strings (laughs) yeah no I literally just spent time with you (laughs) and I was like she needs she needs people to know that they trust her yeah and, like, I don't know if I, all the follow, people watching, I don't know if they know this about you, but, like, you're also very, like, you're brilliant. Like, your mind is brilliant. And Toby might not tell you that, but she should. But like, <laughs> Do your, I tell you that? Yeah. Your mind, <laughs> you did, like, how your, how your brain works and, like, your mind works is, like, you're going to see through the crap so quickly. And I'm, like, there was a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There was a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, no, she just needs someone to see her. Yeah. And then it's like, who better than me, Tobin and Neva? Because <laughs> we're, we're so we're fun. Oh, we're so, we're so fun, clearly. <laughs> yeah, we make really cool videos. But we that does. was yeah. just like wow. what I knew about you. Should we talk a little about the game? Let's talk a little about the game. I asked Cheney if we could talk about the game. She goes, fine, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess talk we're talking about the game. You know, everybody's talking about the game, but we're, like, talking about life. Yeah. When I watched the Vietnam game, I was not concerned at all. Like, I know a lot of people, like, said a lot of things, and I'm like, it is hard to play a team like Vietnam. Yeah. Especially an opening game. And I told every person that asked me, what do you think – of this World Cup, and I said, watch the U.S., we're going to get better as the tournament goes along. Yep, love that. I just totally believe that. Today, um, watching the game, I felt like we were a little stagnant. Um, I feel like we're on different pages a little bit, and uh, I'm so proud of Lindsay Horan because Mm. that is... Yep, I love that. Um, I feel like in that situation where they were so disjointed and disconnected and it didn't feel good and you could tell just by the way they were playing, it wasn't like a fun game to play in. Um, For her to have a brilliant goal like that is huge. Mm -hmm. So I'm giving these girls um, the belief that I had in us. Like, I think that they're going to continue to get better this tournament. I think that they had... They pulled out a draw in a really, like, not a great game. Yeah. And so I think that that should give them confidence. Yeah. Because now, going moving forward, it's like, yes, there's there are corrections that need to be made and there are things that need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's only up from here. So now we're going to take a break and recover with our friends um, at UFOS um, and answer some of our community questions. All right, I will start. Your question is from Annie from Pittsburgh. Annie, hope you go easy on me. And she asks, what national team style of play outside of the U.S. women's national team would you most like to play in? Brazil. Um, That's an easy one. I I could um, have answered that. You could have? For you. Oh, wow, that's kind of cool. Yeah. That's a twist in, in the community but that's, questions. That's how strong I that your answer is. Who do I love from Brazil? Oh, Caroline. Yep. Um, okay, you ready? Yeah. Lucy from San Jose asks, 
what is your post-game ritual? Since we got the pre-game <laughs> ritual in episode two. Who asked this? This is Lucy. Lucy. Thanks for the great question, Lucy. I was really just dying to keep going. So now I finally have my moment. Post-game. Um, the best part of my post-game ritual is when I take off my boots, sometimes I have company of other wonderful players who do the same thing, and we walk barefoot across the pitch in a ritual of grounding. There is also um, sometimes some humming or singing. What's, what does that, what's the special song? Um, only one of us it? can carry a tune, as noted in a prior episode. She's not here. Um. <laughs> that is the song. There's a song. There's a dance. No, there's no dance. There's a walk. Yeah. And um, that's what begins my post-game ritual, but it is the best part. And I actually really recommend a grounding practice for all the people out there. If you don't already have one, put your feet on the earth. It is transformational. This specifies here for Tobin to ask to Kristen. Which... Mine do too. Oh. Jennifer from Houston asks, what do you say to those folks who believe athletes should stick to sports and stay out of politics slash activism? Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for submitting your questions. Continue to send them. And if you get your question on the show, we're going to send you a pair of UFOs. Lucky you. Lucky you. Um, and if you get UFOs, we'd love to see your reaction, your love at first UFOs. So send a video inside of our Reink membership. Okay, why do you think that you decided to retire? Hmm. You know what? I'm this. I only have told Drew this, but like this World Cup, I don't know why it was. It started, and I like was I was super emotional, and I was like, did I make the right decision? And I haven't like thought about that. This one. This one. Why this one? That's what Drew said. <laughs> You're like, I'm just feeling it for the first time. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, what the heck? Like, do you want to go? We can go. Yeah. What do you want to do, you know? Um, and I've been trying to, like, process that in my mind. Like, why now am I, like, thinking, well, did I do enough? Am I, like, like, I don't know. Like, I had a lot of, like, overwhelming emotions about this World Cup. Um, and I, I still believe that I made the right decision to retire like, I don't know how else to, to describe it other than, like, I knew that I was supposed to retire. Like, yeah. it was just, like, I was so sure of it. Yeah. Even though I cried for weeks after and I was, like, I battled. And I think it was just, like, God had put it on my heart. Like, you guys, even if I, like, what if I wouldn't have retired until now? Then I had babies. Then I would have found the brain tumor. Yeah. Then I would have done all that. Like, there was a reason sure. that it was, like, so strongly, like, put on my heart. But in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm called to do so much more. And, like, I tell people this. Even, like, I've been doing, like, executive coaching. And they talk about identity. And you talk about all of these things. And I was like, oh, yeah, soccer wasn't, you know, I always told myself soccer wasn't my identity. And then I retired. And I'm like, soccer's <laughs> not my identity. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, what else am I good at? Like, yeah. I still ask myself that. Like, oh, what else do I offer? I was so, like, good at this. And I, like, had this. And um, I just think, like, it had to be, like, God was like, okay, it's time. And then I got pregnant, had a brain tumor, had a baby, <laughs> like, and my life, like, changed 
forever. Yeah. And I feel like I never maybe had time to, like, mourn that part of my life because it was just, like, survival. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I'm, like, so far removed, turning on the World Cup, I was like, gosh. Yeah. Like, it, it was like I was, like, mourning it again. Like, I missed it. Can we just go through your timeline a bit? Obviously, we won 2015, 2015. World Cup. Scored a, a goal in the 2015 final. That banger. Wait, did you The both? volley. She oh, did yeah, score. but, I mean, hers was. But, yeah, yours was goal. really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was so sick. Yeah, yours was good, yeah. um, Then we went on our we victory tour. We worked hard on pieces. Um, and that's when you had your retirement game. That's when I was game. crying my eyes out, like, every single day. Yeah, same, actually. Yeah. So that was uh, the end of 2015. And that's when you retired. After yeah. I won an NWSL championship. But. Oh! <laughs> okay, I just skipped over that. Okay, so then you went back and once. You had, like, a very winning year. You decided to go out on a high. And then what What happens next? What happens with your timeline? I got pregnant, and I found out beginning of February. Oh, really soon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I found out I was pregnant beginning of February. Um, I started having symptoms... Within the first three months, I, like, couldn't swallow. I would have to tell myself, like, oh, while you're eating, swallow. Mm. Or, and so I remember telling my friend, like, isn't that weird? And she was a speech pathologist. She was like, that's not, that's not normal. Like, that's mm. not pregnancy. That's weird. So then I was like, hmm, I'm not going to tell her anything. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that all. <laughs> um, and then I was woken up out of my sleep from migraine and I was six months pregnant. Mm. I had already been to two neurologists at this point because my face was going numb and both neurologists said, you probably have MS. Mm. And I was like, not what I wanted to hear. So I just kept going to another neurologist. (laughs) (laughs) And then after the migraine that woke me up out of my sleep, I was like, okay, I I don't care. Like, I just need the MRI. Give Mm. me the MRI. And when they gave me the MRI, the guy was an older gentleman. He pulled me out of the MRI and I could see it all over his face. I was pregnant, six months pregnant. And I was like, oh, something's wrong with mm. me. The radiologist? He couldn't hide it. It yeah. was like he oh was like gosh. a dad. He didn't yeah. He didn't say a word. It was just like oh, just you just could, could, you could, I could feel it. Like I could feel. And he asked me to stay in the room. And the doctor was coming in. Wow. And um, they came in. They said, we have good news and we have bad news. Good news, you don't have a mess. Bad news is you have like a very massive brain tumor. And in my mind, like, I don't know, you hear brain tumor and you think, like, I, I don't know, I'm not surviving that. Um, and so Drew was in L.A. I was in New Orleans. Oh. My friend called him and was like, get on a plane now. He drove to the airport, bought the ticket at the desk, got on the airplane back to um, New Orleans. And then we, like, started our search for a doctor. I moved to Duke Lake. Two months before I delivered JT, I delivered her just shy of 35 weeks, and then I had brain surgery four weeks later. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Talk to us a little bit about what that felt like, anything that you'd like to share about it, Um, because obviously I think the entire world has been so inspired by what you've been through, Um, and there was never a doubt that we could all always learn so much from who you are and how you are, but this, um, but the the process of you having your first child was incredibly traumatic, and um, and you had to overcome a lot, and it I'm sure it took so much courage um, and strength and bravery that 
very few people could endure, um, and you did. So I would love to hear a little bit about what that was like for you. Yeah. I was, I, before the cameras were rolling, I told press, I was like, well, when she shared earlier on the, on this, like about her vulnerability and like mm -hmm. what it's like to be vulnerable, like in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so like her going through another surgery and being able to share that, um, I didn't, I wasn't brave enough to do that, mm -hmm. uh, during the time. And I, I realized like how much impact that has and like, I just admire you for being able to share. But when I was going through the brain tumor, I found out about it. Um, my first thing was, like, if I don't survive and the baby doesn't survive, what happens to my husband? You know, the person you love the most in the world. Like, how does he even, like, go on after that? Um, and then it went from, get that out of your head. Mm -hmm. How do I keep my baby alive? And so then it was, like, all about keeping my baby alive. But in the back of my head, it was, like, how do I protect, protect Drew through mm -hmm. all of this? And so by me protecting him, I was, like, I need to, like, fall off the face of the earth because I don't ever want him to have to relive it. Like, if something bad happened and I had, we had filmed things and we had yeah. done that, like, he's, like, con it, then he would constantly have to relive that. And that was, like, wow. my mindset. But, like, I don't think we realize the power of vulnerability even after. Like, me being able to talk about it after and being able to share openly after is, like, people are, like, you're so vulnerable. But it's, like, yeah. constructed vulnerability. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I have chosen to give you a piece of me. Not the real, like, but you didn't see it when I was going through it. When I couldn't, like, articulate yeah. Is that the because words. You, you had to do what you had to do at the time to get through? That is why. Yeah. I had to survive. Yeah. And that was my way of surviving. Yeah. Like, was, there was no other way. Was it also kind of, like, kind of trained in you from being such an elite athlete also, though, to show no vulnerability? Totally. And and I, oh, I like, point. I don't know what you guys do for fitness, but, like, when fitness was really hard, I used to tell myself, like, I can do anything for the amount of time that the fitness was going to be. So, like... If it was the beep test, maybe we're running for 12 minutes and yeah. 47 seconds. Who knows? To get the... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 47 seconds. Yep. <laughs> to get to, like, the level you needed to yeah. get to. Yeah. Yeah. But I would tell myself before it started, I can do anything for 12 minutes. Yeah. And it was like, okay, so when I'm pregnant, I have brain tumor. I know, like, I'm going to deliver soon. I'm going to have brain surgery mm -hmm. right after. I'm like, I can do anything for a month. Mm. I can do anything for five days. I can mm. do anything for two hours if it was a really bad day. Mm. And so, like, a lot of times when I tell people about the tumor, if I wasn't an athlete, I don't know how I would have coped. Yeah. Because, like, as much trauma as there was, there was still, like, a resilience in me that was like, no, I can get through yeah. anything for this amount of time. Yeah. Um, and I think that's my faith, too. Like, Definitely. I knew that God was like... There, I never questioned God, like, why are you doing this to me? Um, I just had a hard time praying for what was right. Yeah. Like, as a believer, I would say, is it right for me to pray for, like, me to live? You okay? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what if it's not his plan for my life? Like, yeah. and I remember I that was my battle. It wasn't like, I'm mad at you, God. It was like, Wait, what am, what's the right right thing to do? Like, yeah. if I'm fully surrendered, am I saying, God, it's your will, but I don't want your will. I want my will. Yeah. I want to live. Yeah. I want to raise my daughter. Yeah. And um, that was my biggest battle. Yeah. Was like, hey, what what is this? And wh where does, like, 
trust and belief, like how do you surrender your life when when you don't know like your will versus God's? Yeah. Well, where did you land with it? Um, I landed with that God would want me to want my life. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I, it took me a long time. And then I had surgery and my eyes crossed and I'm deaf in my ear. And then I was like, but I didn't want this life. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know I said I wanted to live, but look across the eyes and I'm deaf. Like, how fair is that? That's not fair. Um, but I feel like that was like, I, that was, would bring me back to reality is like, I actually do get to spend like my life with my daughter and my uh, husband yeah. and I get to have a family and I get to talk to other people who are, are going through the same thing. And I was telling press, like, I could not be vulnerable with my family. Mm. Like going through this process of the brain tumor, I could not tell my parents how I felt. Yeah. I could tell Drew to a certain level. But, like, when I would talk about, hey, if I'm, you know, if I come out of vegetable, you have to pull the plug. If I, you know, the real conversations, it was, like, Drew just, like, glossed over. Mm. It was, like, not there. He wasn't there. Yeah. Or we would go to the doctor's appointments where they tell me, oh, you you know, this could happen, this could happen. And I would get in the car and I would be like, okay, we need to talk about that. And he's like, they said what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear any of that. What, what was said? Um, because it's, like... <laughs> It was too hard for him yeah. to swallow. Oh, yeah. And so it was actually easier for me to talk to strangers. Yeah. So I just talked to a bunch of women with brain tumors who were also pregnant, and they would tell me the truth about, okay, this is what it's like when you wake up from brain surgery, and, like, this is how we got through. Wow. But that's, like, so incredible that, like, you knew what you needed, and you went out and found it, even in an what seems like now you think is like unusual that you were talking to strangers you versus your team. family, but you found your support and your team. Yeah. I mean, your story is extraordinary. Jane, thanks so much for being on. Thanks for You're having me. You're the absolute best. Love you guys. Oh, Love you too. You. Here on The Recap Show, we love to finish with looking ahead to a matchup. The game that I'm looking forward to is Brazil-France. These are two heavyweights in the tournament going at each other. It's always nice to see what they'll look like. We've seen glimpses of a French team that, that could be interesting, and we've definitely seen a lot from the Brazilians. So if I was to predict this one, I would have to go with 2-2. We'll see if I'm right on the next episode, and thanks so much for tuning in. The Recap Show is a re-ink original series produced in partnership with HeadGum Studios. The show is executive produced by Tobin Heath, Kristen Press, Shane Romani, and Jamie Friedman. For HeadGum Studios, The Recap Show is brought to life by supervising producer Katie Moose, showrunner Billy Scafiri, creative producer Tara Aquino, associate producer Ali Khan, director of photography Nate Cornett, Video engineer and editor, Rochelle Chen. Production sound mixer, Destiny Ferrant. Production designer, motion graphics, Eddie Ramos. Production designer, Elaine Carey. Production assistants, Lauren Strummel, Olivia Reiner, and Jasmine Wasserman. Hair, Ramon Garcia, and John Jamar IV. Stylist, Sarah Borgesi. Makeup, Stephen Molesky. The first season of The Recap Show wouldn't be possible without the support of our incredible sponsors, including UFOS, Ally, UKG, and Tequila Comos. Thank you. 
Re-Inc. was founded in 2019 by USWNT champions Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, Megan Klingenberg, and Megan Rapino, with the mission to make the world a more inclusive and equitable place for all. A brand that lives at the intersection of sports, progress, and equity. We offer eco-conscious, gender-free fashion, creative goods, a membership that invites anyone to join in the pursuit of boldly reimagining our world. And with the creation of The Recap Show, we are launching a new content division to change the way women are seen and experienced in sports. Thank you for tuning in.